Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about, and afterwards there were two things I wanted to mention, so if you're not the type of person that normally stays all the way to the end of the podcast, maybe give it a try this time, but nothing super important, just some stuff I wanted to share. But anyway, let's jump in and see what we got for this week. A new version of the open source scan converter was just released, but this is not the OSSC Pro. This is basically a restock and some tweaks were made to the design between revisions and they marked it off as version 1.7, but this is not some big, huge upgrade. It's just typically what happens in manufacturing when every time you go through a run, you figure out what parts that could be tweaked or in the case of a global part shortage, you gotta swap some out. But I will go through the changes in this revision. The number one biggest change is that it now comes with an injection-molded plastic case designed by Todd from Retrofrog, which is pretty cool because this is the first time it's got an official full enclosure. And if you just want the case, they're selling that separately as well for, I believe, about $15. So it's a pretty cool option if you wanted to just upgrade your existing one. There are other cases out there. There's the original style in different colors. There's a couple of different 3D printed ones, like the one I usually use from Laser Bear. But if you're looking for an official you know, injection molded case for it, I guess this would be the one to get. And also there's things like over voltage protection on the motherboard for people who plug in the wrong power supply. Please make an effort to not do that because it's easy to do that on all of your consoles with the same size barrel plug. So just make sure that you have the correct one for the correct device or you could send power to ground or vice versa. And there's also a few other tweaks like the audio switch is easier to get to and some of the components have been replaced with more power efficient ones that reduces heat as well. But once again, overall, this isn't a performance boost. This is just kind of what happens when you have a mature product that still has minor tweaks done to it in production. So basically, if you were looking to buy a brand new OSSC, this is the one to buy just because it's the, you know, it's the official reseller has, I think they only have these in stock now anyway. And you know, it's just good to know that you're buying the latest revision and there's a lot of low quality knockoff OSSEs floating around these days. So it's also nice to know that for just a few dollars more, which is still not an expensive price, you can get the latest revision with the tweaks that's made well. Um, the price is the exact same as the original. There's no price differences. So it's basically something where if, if you didn't realize, like if you didn't read the fine print, you wouldn't have even known it was a different revision other than the case which is a good thing. You know, it's the same OSSC that we all know and love. So if you were looking to pick one up, um, you know, it still really is an amazing tool as well as a great scaler for people who use retro PCs or anything that has odd timings that aren't really console based. Uh, I don't think the original OSSC is going away anytime soon. There's just so many good uses for it. So if you haven't picked one up yet or need a second or something like that, uh, just check out the two links here. I definitely suggest getting it 
from an official reseller for the reasons I mentioned before. And if you want a, a setup getting started video on this, I would check out the one I did last year because that's not going to be out of date anytime soon because the OSSC is pretty mature. So if you need any kind of basic tips on that, check out the OSSC link on the website and that video. Next is the first official contribution from Tito from Macho Nacho Productions. I've spoken a lot about Tito's work and I cover pretty much all of his videos anyway. So I reached out and asked if he wouldn't mind writing them up in his own words and anything else that he wants to share with the site as well, post up here and he agreed. So I'm very grateful for his help and I'm very proud to have him on board. And I'm really always interested in his opinions on things, even if it's a product that I'm not so thrilled about, like the current video Tito put out on the Ambernick emulation handheld. Now, it's my very strong opinion that if you understand what it is that you're getting when you buy one of these, it could be a really cool device. And as always, Tito goes uh, or does a great job giving people examples of why you would or wouldn't want this one. And this in this particular model, I don't know anybody who would want it because it's more expensive than something like the analog pocket and it doesn't really perform that well. Ambernick has some cheaper models out there that don't perform as well, they're, you know, but they're cheap and they're fun. And if you're just looking for an emulation handheld to mess around with, especially if you're making your own stuff and you're just looking for a platform to test, I think these are fun devices, but I don't think they would ever replace any of the real stuff out there, meaning FPGA-based, original handhelds, and a lot of the other stuff that's coming out. So if you want more perspective, definitely check out Tito's video, because there is a place for this. There absolutely is a market, but it's way smaller than a lot of this other stuff out there. It's certainly a smaller market than their cheaper stuff, and definitely a smaller market than people who are chasing kind of a more accurate experience on this. Um, you know, once again, I, I do always appreciate seeing these new products. I have one of the Amber Nicks here that I wanted to mess around with just for the heck of it, but I, I probably won't at this point because after watching Tito's video and seeing how well or not well the higher end version performs, I probably won't even waste my time on the other. I might just boot it just to check it out and then send it off to the, the friend who who picked it up. But either way, if, if you wanted a good insight into how these emulation things work and perform, check out Tito's video. Uh, and if, uh, if this isn't your cup of tea, check out Tito's other videos because he mostly concentrates on original hardware um, and, you know, just sometimes covers stuff like this. But yeah, respectfully, not a fan of the Ambernick stuff. The NES homebrew game Slow Mole was just released on the Dreamcast. The game was free over the weekend for the holidays, but it went back up to the price of $3.50, which is still not something that's going to break the bank. And you get a GDI image that you could either burn to a disc or run on op optical drive emulation for your Dreamcast. So if you liked the game Slow Mole, but you'd prefer it on your Dreamcast as opposed to your NES, then this seems like the perfect thing to buy. There's also going to be a Famicom physical release that I believe has been teased since the original NES version was released. And I think the developer, Eric Roseland, is still just getting the last tweaks done and uh, trying to make sure everything's working before that happens. So if you would like one of those, I'll definitely talk about it when it comes out. But for now, it's the software-only versions. So uh, And it's for a game that I guess a lot of people have described as frustrating as heck, but rewarding. So kind of like Super Meat Boy style. I haven't had a chance to play it myself, but it does seem like something I would enjoy at least giving a try to. So if you're interested in it, check out the post, check out the links and see if it's a game that you might like. 
I'm a big fan of the Slow Mo Guys channel on YouTube, and they just posted one of the coolest videos yet. Well, one of the coolest, especially if you're a fan of retro games, but they took super slow motion footage of a vector monitor, and this is the first time I've seen it really demonstrated in a way where you could truly visualize how a vector monitor works. And it's pretty amazing to see how the beam of light could pretty much go in any direction to draw the images on screen. And it gives you a feel of why these monitors feel so different than when you're using a regular CRT. And it's one of the things where even if you're not a retro nerd or maybe you don't even really care about video games, anybody could walk up to one of these and say, this is definitely different than a regular CRT monitor. And this applies to all vector monitors, including the Vectrix or color or black and white vector monitors, or I believe even the way the oscilloscopes that used vector displays used to work as well. So if you're interested in this stuff, or even if you're only mildly interested, I would definitely watch this video. It's really cool, especially when they do a shot of two standard CRT-based arcade machines on the side with the vector monitor in the middle. Uh, I, I thought seeing the comparison was really cool. And the slow-mo guys also had a couple other great videos, how a TV works in slow motion, how a 3D TV works, and then, of course, smashing a broken TV in slow motion because... That's what you do with slow motion cameras. And uh, I have a couple of broken things around here I might want to smash now that I have a house with a sledgehammer and an axe as well. So we'll see how that goes. People were a little upset the last time I did it, even though it was a totally dead piece of hardware, but maybe I'll still do it anyway. But, <laughs> but either way, um, I would highly recommend this video because it's just a very cool way to, to get a sense of how these monitors work. A team of developers have been working on patching the Sega Genesis version of Mortal Kombat to improve a lot of the differences from the original arcade version to this. And they did things like change all of the graphics that Probe Software, the company that ported it, had added, uh, add, fixed up some of the backgrounds, some of the animations, um, the endings were changed, and even things like save game patches were added so that you could save your high scores. So overall, this is just a really impressive patch, and I'd watched a couple of the videos that did side-by-side -side comparisons of the original, and it's a noticeable difference. And this is fully playable on original hardware, which means that if the team wanted to, they could have made this same port for us back in the day. Now, of course, there's a lot more things involved. They were probably under a time crunch. You know, they'd only been working on the Genesis for a few years as opposed to a few decades. So, you know, it is a bit of an unfair comparison, but at the same time, it's really awesome to see that this is what we could have gotten on original hardware back in the day. So I haven't had a chance to try it yet. I'm very much looking forward to, uh, and I just, I'm a huge fan of the original MK game. So anything I see like this is definitely something that I'm going to be interested in, as well as every other MK fan, I'm sure. Um, if you want more info on how to apply ROM hacks, definitely check out Alex's original article on that, which is linked right in here. And if you want more info on the different versions of Mortal Kombat, definitely check out the DF Retro video, because that went into a deep dive of every difference of every version. So, um, you know, this is really awesome. And the only other thing I would hope for is that eventually they would translate this to the Sega CD version. Because while it's not easy, and it's certainly not a trivial task, I think it's easier than the work they've already done. So it would be kind of neat to see that done with an original arcade soundtrack, um, and, you know, maybe take advantage of some of the Sega CD hardware or something. But either way, I, I love what they've done so far. It looks cool, and I really want to check it out myself. Norm, the gaming historian, recently released a video on NES light guns. 
But it wasn't just about the light guns. It was about the games, the history of it, how they worked. It was really just an in-depth, all-around overview of the NES light gun games and everything you'd want to know about them. It was very cool seeing the history of the toys that were made that eventually turned into this. I didn't actually know any of that going into it, so it was really cool to see that bit of the history. And there was also a few alternative guns shown that I hadn't seen most of either. So I really think that no matter what, where you are in the spectrum of NES knowledge, you would probably enjoy this one because if you're an expert, you probably have a few tidbits in here that are neat. Or if you don't know anything about it, this is pretty much all you would need to know. Norm also goes through all the different games that supports it, including some of the unreleased un, uh, or unofficial games that were released, like uh, the Baby One and Chiller. And I'm glad he highlighted both of those because they're both weird and unique. And it's worth at least looking at in a video like this with some context. And I remember always wanting to play Chiller because I had read that was the only NES light gun game that could support two zappers. So basically, you know, if both people pulled the trigger at the same time, then, you know, you would actually have to get it down to the millisecond. But hypothetically, whatever your gun was aimed at, it would still read through. So it was able to do it. Now, that's a flashy kind of annoying experience, kind of like two player lethal enforcers on Genesis. But uh, I was excited to finally try it out when I eventually got Chiller. And it was just an all right game. I think it was like, you know, I probably spent five minutes with it once and then never really played it again. But it's one of, also one of those like really gory 8-bit games. So if you're into like ridiculous, cartoonish, not realistic at all violence, this is probably one that you might like. Uh, this kind of walks the line of realism, but I do like the silly stuff. Like when you're in Mortal Kombat and you punch somebody and their head explodes, like that's funny to me because it's cartoonish and not at all real. This kind of walks the line. So a little warning for anybody that's sensitive to that stuff, but it's also an 8-bit game. So it's not really that real. So I would, I would give it all a try if you had a chance to, but if you don't have a CRT or if you don't really care enough to set all of it up, Norm's got you covered in this video. And a while back, I talked about My Life in Gaming doing a video on every Super Scope game for the Super Nintendo. Nintendo, and I loved that one too. I think I really uh, love the, the niche peripherals for these consoles, and I would love to see them or maybe even try myself do one for the Master System and th the 3D glasses, which would be a little bit hard because you couldn't really experience it right unless you had the glasses and a, th uh, a CRT yourself, but hopefully somebody smarter and more talented than me could figure out a way to do this so people at home could enjoy it the same way you might have sitting in front of it on a CRT, but there's certainly a lot more content to be made, and and uh, I'm glad people are starting to go over some of the, the much weirder and out there accessories. And, you know, I guess the Zapper is pretty popular, but maybe not as, the Super Scope wasn't as much. And maybe we'll see good detailed videos on the rest of these weird peripherals like that. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the musician Remute, where in the very beginning of the interview, he announced that he will now be releasing his next album on an N64 cartridge. So let me back up for a second in case you're not familiar, but Remute is a musician that has done techno music for quite a while and then moved on to doing music on original cartridges for original consoles. And this is not one of those things like putting an MP3 player in a cart and using the pass-through pins, which, while that's kind of neat too, 
this is the opposite. This is music that's being generated by the console the same exact way that an original game would have, but it's music written by the musician Remute. And that's how I first got to know who he was through the Genesis uh, cartridge that he released. I then checked out a lot of the other music that he wrote and, and really enjoyed that. And I've been following his work ever since. I've been posting here because most of it has been very unique. So on a Game Boy Kart, Super Nintendo, Turbo Graphics, um, it, it was really cool to see how or to see and hear this music on original consoles. And it's very strikingly similar, even though or, or familiar, I guess, even though it's totally original music because it's using the samples and the sounds that you heard growing up or here playing these consoles if you're younger and have just started to get into this. So the latest album that he's about to release that was the pre-orders had just opened up was for the Nintendo 64, and that's a sample-based music system like the Super Nintendo. So he'd have to create all of the samples himself and then arrange those onto the console and then create music with those. I'm kind of oversimplifying because we talked about it a lot in the interview, but I just, I think this is one of these interviews where if you're a retro gamer, you'd like it. If you're a musician, you'd like it. And, uh, or if you're just a nerd that likes listening to cool people talk about things they do, you'd like this one too. So, uh, I was absolutely honored that Remute would release or talk about the album release first through retro RGB. Uh, I think he knows how much we're all fans of his stuff. So I thought that was a really nice gesture and I was very proud to be part of that. And I had a great time talking to him. So if you want to listen to a very cool musician to hear and hear their thoughts about how to create music on these original hardware platforms, definitely give this one a listen. And if you want to pre-order the album, links to absolutely everything you need is right here in the post. And I'd like to welcome another new contributor to Retro RGB, Stika, somebody who I've talked about a lot. I've uh, followed their work. I've had them on live streams and vice versa. Uh, and just somebody who I'm a big fan of, and I'm very proud to have him as well join the team and contribute his thoughts and his work to it. And the first post of his is about a new port of Sunset Riders to the Sega Genesis. So the game Sunset Riders was released on the Genesis, but it was kind of a watered-down version of the arcade, and a group of people are working on rebuilding it with a brand new engine to make a completely new and improved port to the Sega Genesis. So it's really impressive that uh, the work that goes into the stuff like this and the Mortal Kombat patch that I talked about, and it's just really interesting to see how deep people could get into this stuff uh, and what a massive change it could be. Like I just said before about MK, I mean... Just seeing this work and seeing it work on original hardware is such an indication of what could have been back in the day. And I'm always interested in why they made decisions they made and, and how things ended up to be the way they were. But if you're interested in the game Sunset Riders, definitely check out the video posted, uh, narrated by Stika. And it really gives you a, a good sense of all of the work that went into it and how much of a difference this is going to be. So I don't think there's a demo available yet. I could be wrong on that one, but the it's, it's still at a place where I, I think it was the perfect time to share because you could see the evolution and you could see where it's going. And I just thought it was a really cool story. So just a, a big shout out to all of the teams of people that work on all of these crazy projects. I think they're so neat and so cool. And I think... 
Uh, someday I would love to interview the original developers and the people who worked on stuff like this and kind of hear their thoughts back and forth on each other's work because it's all just so impressive and so, so over my head. But we're all lucky enough that we don't have to understand what goes into it. You just have to figure out a way to play it yourself and you get to enjoy it. One of the things I wanted to talk about before I go is a new lighthearted project I just started that's basically pictures on Instagram, but hopefully you'll think it's a little more interesting than that. It's called hashtag retro RGB what's in the box and no, it has nothing to do with movie seven. It's just a name I thought would uh, that would be easy to remember, even though it's long uh, and also kind of has to do with what the project's about. But essentially, I've been helping a friend procure a whole bunch of stuff for a very big project that I'll be covering when it's ready. So it could be a year or two, but um, in doing so, I've ended up having a whole bunch of awesome stuff passed through my, my office, and I got to see a lot of cool things that I just really appreciated just getting the chance to look at. And not to sound like a scumbag, but I also really appreciated getting to look at all of this stuff, not having to pay for any of it. <laughs> so uh, I just, as I'm getting this stuff together and reboxing it and, you know, kind of getting it all ready to go, there's been so many cool things that have passed in front of me that I just stopped and kind of stared at for a minute. And they're all sealed, and I'm not opening any of them, of course. Um, or at least I won't open the sealed ones, the ones that aren't sealed, I would. But just looking at the box, you know, seeing them in such perfect condition, it's been so neat just experiencing some of these. And there was a couple of Master System games that passed through that I'd never seen in person. And there was one game, which in fact was the reason that I started this. I think it was like... F-117 Stealth Fighter for the PC, and I just remember being a little kid and lusting over it, staring at the wall and software, etc., staring at the PC requirements every time I went there, just in case I forgot that my PC was nowhere near <laughs> powerful enough to play it at the time, and I never got a chance to play it, and I'm sure it was either a terrible game or just a mediocre game from the 90s, but the box was so cool that it made me feel like if I bought this game, I might feel like I'm flying a stealth fighter. And when I saw that box come through and I just looked at it and I turned it around a couple times, I read the requirements like I did as a kid and kind of laughed at how slow they are today. And I just thought, I want to share this with other people because while many of you couldn't possibly give a shit about this, which is totally fair, a lot of other people have seemed to. And even though I only have six of these up, a bunch of people said that it did spark memories of their own. So as I'm helping a friend with all of the stuff, I'm going to snap pictures of everything that I think is interesting. And um, I'm only going to do it with my cell phone on a table because I think if I have to set up equipment in a light box and get the shot right and obsess over it, I just, I don't have time. I would have loved to do that, but I absolutely have time to, when I'm already working with this stuff anyway, to snap a couple pictures. And then, you know, I've been putting them up every day, but even days that I'm busy, I'm like in line at the supermarket or pumping gas like, all right, I got a minute and a half. Like, let me throw one of these up. So sometimes I'll put a story or some thoughts on it or, or just kind of talk about why I'm posting this one. And other times I just posted a picture with a hashtag just to, to lead back to it. So if you're interested in stuff like that, um, whether it's for nostalgia or whether just to take a look at a bunch of weird and old software, or uh, I also got a picture of some, some 
floppy disk media and some zip drives and stuff like that. And you know, I just want to keep doing it as long as people keep enjoying it. And to be honest with this one, I might just keep doing it even if nobody enjoys it. Cause I, I really have, uh, seeing some of these things come across for the first time or, you know, seeing them even, you know, for the first time. And since I was a little kid, it's been a pretty cool experience. And, uh, I just wanted to share that with everybody. So if you're into it, please subscribe to it on Instagram. Um, and subscribe to me too, if you don't mind, cause that would be cool as well have a kind of a smaller following on there, but uh, hopefully people enjoy it. And I think there was enough stuff that have passed through to keep this going for a while. And I think there's going to be at least one or two more things that I get a hold of with a bunch of these in them. So I could probably maintain this for quite a while if you're interested. So if it's something that you like, share it with your friends. And if not, don't worry about it. I totally understand. That's uh, a lot of people just wouldn't care about this. And that's totally fine course thank you for watching listening playing nicely in the comments and especially thank you to everybody who supports in absolutely any way possible because without you none of this stuff would happen and the website the podcast any of these projects i'm involved in it's all thanks to you so thank you all so much and i'll see you next year